Welcome to another episode of Fisherman's Mindset Podcast, a podcast for you on this journey of life. My name is Ebi Sosa. I'm your host, and this is the show. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, podcasters. I'm excited for this one. In today's episode, we have a very, very interesting guest. You know, she's a storyteller. She's a skill coach slash mentor. She's an event organizer. She's a lecturer, podcaster, event MC and everything smart people do on earth today. Uh, I have so much respect for her. Welcome, Raina. Epi, Raina Rose in the house. What's up, listeners? Thank you so much uh, for supporting this podcast. I'm so, so, so excited to be here. Um, And let's get to it. Yeah, pretty much, for sure. Uh, Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you so much. But just a little bit of uh, context. So me and you met through Instagram. You know, I was kind of stalking around and I run uh, to your page and I started looking at your photos and videos and, you know, pressed on your link and read your website. And you have a pretty interesting story, actually. So that's what really gravitated me to uh, contacting you and asking you to come on the podcast, because uh, as I read on your website. So you dealt with cyberbullying at some point and you had a eviction notice on your door in college. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird because I'm I'm definitely like a self-proclaimed cool kid. Like I get along with everyone and I'm I'm really blessed to have, you know, a lot of friends all over the world. Um but I really really wasn't prepared uh in college to to not only be bullied but also to be bullied for for my faith um and to be bullied for values that are just a core part of uh of my identity yeah and uh for uh, people who don't know uh, i'll just add this up you're actually jewish correct yeah i'm a i'm a jew from memphis tennessee so that makes me exotic <laughs> <laughs> i i love that i love that uh but yeah just uh, i give you a very good intro in the beginning, but if you can uh, go a little bit uh, into your story, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So first, I just want to share with everybody that um, social media is so interesting because how Ebby and I met is is so special because BC, before mm-hmm. Corona, I was always so busy running to the next thing that um, I never really spent time connecting with people online. Um, and what I'm finding in quarantine is that, um, I'm getting the opportunity to meet people of, of all different backgrounds and ages. And, um, I just want to share too, that I'm 28 years old now, but when I was in college, um, I didn't really feel that great about myself because I didn't have a lot of followers on social media. And you guys are going to hear in my story that in college, I got the opportunity to travel to a lot of places and and do so many incredible leadership opportunities and do a lot of public speaking. But when this guy that I was dating dumped me for an Instagram model, um, it really made me not feel great about myself because I didn't have all these followers. And what I can tell you now at, at 28 is after having a really successful career of mentoring young people and speaking to over a hundred thousand people in the last decade, when I get messages and DMS from people about how I've inspired them or, um, you know, I've challenged them to think about uh, a new perspective. 
that means so much more to me than strangers on the internet, like commenting on my body or that they think I'm hot. Um, so I just want to, I just want to share, you know, my follower account is still about the same, but you know, getting opportunities like this is really, really what fuels my fire. And you are not defined by how many people like your posts or how many people follow you online. In my opinion, you are defined by how you treat people. And honestly, I think it's how you treat people who you don't immediately know, right? Like people who you may not even call a friend, like the person waiting in line in front of you at Starbucks or that person that you sit next to in class, but you don't really know that well. Um, and when I was a teenager, I was not the most well-behaved student. In fact, all my teachers always called home because I would never shut up in class. But Abby, what do I get paid to do now? Just talk to everybody and make them feel good about themselves and work hard and just chase whatever dream they have in their mind. Yeah. So, you know, it just goes to show that sometimes our gifts are going to come in really strange places. Because if you would have told me when I was a teenager, hey, Raina, one day you're going to voluntarily speak in schools, um, I would have thought I would have thought you were crazy. Right. Um, oh, yeah. For, for sure. Like, uh, not to cut you off, but just to go back uh, for uh, BC before Corona, just add up to that. I don't, before Corona, it took me three days to check my DMs. <laughs> yeah. So Corona uh, has a negative side, which is uh, a little bit more people are dying and financial sides of it. But uh, the good side of it is we got to connect and you connected me with a few more people that I'm going to have on the podcast, actually. So I am really stoked that uh, corona actually has positives and negatives where now I have had more time to actually self-quarantine in my own brain yeah. and just come up with all these ideas, the podcast, how to communicate, how to talk to people, how to have people on the show. So just to go back to the BC point, Corona has its pros and cons. So it's just your perspective of how you think of Corona at this moment. Exactly. Exactly. And you, you brought up such an important point of connection. Um, I think connection is the most valuable gift that you can give anyone. And I can honestly say since I was a teenager, I've always been very passionate about connecting people who it started with like, oh, I think you guys would be friends or like, oh, I think you guys could date. And then as I got older, it was like, oh, you know, you're really into this. Like, let me connect you with this organization or let me connect you with this person who's like very successful in the field that you want to study in. Um, hold on, hold on, Raina, hold on. About connecting people who love each other. You're not a pimp, right? No, <laughs> I am from Memphis, but I am not a pimp. <laughs> I had to make sure you didn't have a pimp story in the background. I don't know about. <laughs> but not just keep yet. going. Not yet. Maybe, uh, maybe for future chapters. Okay. Yeah. But the beauty of connection is, you know, it just takes one person because once you meet one person, then that person can then connect you to another person. And then that person can connect you to someone else. And, you know, it's funny because sometimes I've introduced friends to each other and they become like best friends, like closer than the friendship that I had with the original person. Um, and when that happens, I don't, I don't get jealous. I just get like so excited that like I made a good match. 
for like for sure for sure like that's a very very big point because just to go back to it uh you've connected me with a few people and actually it's like they really resonate with what i'm trying to do right now and i'm trying to build and i'm so grateful for that oh thanks my friend i appreciate that um so in my teen years there were definitely some decisions you know that weren't the greatest that i made but we are not defined by our past we are not defined by our mistakes and we are not defined by our circumstances but ultimately how we respond to them right and and what we learn from those experiences and 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 carry them um into the future so when i was a teen i was always involved in my school and in my community and um when I was 18, instead of going straight to college, like all my friends were doing, I decided to go on a gap year. Have you ever heard of a gap year? Oh, yes. I have heard of a gap year. Is where you take that uh, one year off and you're just maybe working. Or for some people, uh, it's just that one time they need a rest to just kind of refresh their mind. Yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, like when you put it into sports, they call it a red shirt year. So it might be you are injured or you might just not be, you know, physically ready to compete. They call it a red shirt year in sports. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what it is. Um and for me, gap year was a chance to do things that I was never going to have the time or the opportunity ever again in my life to do. So, you know, sometimes people are like, "Oh, I don't want to do a gap year cuz like I don't want to go to college late cuz then like everything else is going to be late." But everybody's path is different. And had I not taken that year abroad to study, volunteer, uh, really find myself as a woman, develop my confidence, then um, college would have been totally different for me. And my like career profession like would also be uh, totally, totally different interesting you bring up the point about going abroad and stuff and i always preach that too and i'm trying to get uh my partner to do this the same thing when this corona dies down is like just go somewhere else experience something different meet new people that will really change your perspective on on uh, how to deal with life actually totally totally and what's kind of sad now and what i fear is that with this whole corona situation um a time where like people really do need volunteers and need support um, I'm, I'm kind of scared, Abby, that, it, you know, some people may not want to travel abroad because of like everything that's going on. But yeah, this virus will definitely change uh, how the world uh, works. And right now, just speaking, I think probably this is the one time that uh, the world is going to change and move to digital because now every entity has figured out how to do things digitally from the NFL draft, you know, uh, NBA is trying to figure out how to uh, have people watch their games. So this is going to really change what's going to happen from here on moving forward. Yeah. And you know what? I, I said something to my brother, like when this all started and I'd, I'd love to know what you think about it. It's funny how things happen first in sports before they like happen in society. So like, hear me out for a second, like the NBA, the NFL, like they canceled everything because of Corona way before, you know, anybody else. And when we look at like some of the other issues we've dealt with in society, like blacks and whites played sports together before blacks and whites had the same democratic rights in America. Uh huh. So it's interesting with sports. One of the things I've always loved is that when it comes to like social change, 
a lot of times it starts in sports before it like hits in society. Does that connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I'm just going to give you a reference point. You actually know it uh, It wasn't a big deal until uh, the first NBA player actually uh, got diagnosed with corona. His name is uh, Rudy Gobert. So everybody was like kind of taking, oh, corona is not that serious, you know. And you know I'm in Washington. So it started in Washington, actually. Like it was the first place that people got diagnosed in a nursing home. It was in Washington. So people kind of was like, oh, it's maybe not that serious. And you had mayors from other states coming out and saying, just go to restaurants, have fun. This is just a little flu. And then yeah. it started hitting hard when it's like, oh, there's an NBA player, a guy who's a millionaire who's sick. And then, oh, there's another NBA player, Donovan Mitchell, who's another millionaire who's sick. So I think with our society, is more like sports is that like connection between like races where it's actually it's a language that has no words but yeah. it's just a language of passion and feelings that connects people together i love what you just said sports means the same thing in every language you can find uh i say you can find uh people from different races different cultures they don't even speak the same language but when a goal maybe goes in or a bucket or a touchdown in NFL, they're hugging, which you'll never find them down the street hugging, talking, and, you know, experiencing what they're experiencing at the moment. It's so true. And for those listening, if you don't play sports, that's totally okay. Because, like, there are other things that mean the same thing in every language. A smile, a high five, a hug. Yeah, no, there's a lot of means of communication that necessarily doesn't have to be sports, you know. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, take us into the uh, story behind uh, getting cyberbullied in college. Yeah, so that was crazy. So I was in Israel for a year, did a lot of amazing things, um, coached underprivileged kids in soccer. Um, I worked at an archaeological dig site in Jerusalem, which was also nuts. But again, I was like, this place is super, super old. Um, so if I'm going to be an archaeological digger, then like, why not try that for three months? Um, and really like found myself as a, as a woman. I, um, I never thought I was ugly growing up, but it wasn't until I went to Israel and I was like in a different country wearing my own clothes, making my own decisions. And when guys like started hitting me up, all of a sudden I'd be, I was like, Ooh, I'm like, I am beautiful. I am awesome. And the reason I bring that up is because finding myself as a woman was such an important step before I got to college. Because when you get to college, that's when you get the opportunity to meet people from all different backgrounds of life. You get the opportunity to like try on so many different experiences. Um, there's so many opportunities for you. Um, for me, um, you know, I got involved in a lot, a lot of different ways in college. Um, through my faith, outside of my faith, um, you know, was in student government, was on the board of my dorm, um, you know, outside of college, I worked for a wall street journal reporter and helped him with like a lot of really fancy events. And I was doing all these, uh, like amazing, amazing things. And, um, even though I was doing all these great things, um, I was also being heavily bullied. So like when I share about my challenges, I don't want you guys to think like, oh my God, she was like sad in her dorm room the whole time and like didn't talk to anybody. Um, no. In fact, that was like the total, the total opposite, right? I was super, super involved. And how it started was, you know, when I was in Israel, 
I was introduced to this idea for the first time that, you know, when you get to college, you might meet some students who don't like Jewish people. They said, you might experience anti-Semitism, which for those listening um, who don't already know, anti-Semitism is hatred against Jews. Um, It can be words. A lot of times hate starts with words. We experience that in, in all of our communities. But the problem is, is when we don't speak up against those hateful words, a lot of times those words can turn into actions. And sometimes those actions can actually turn into violence. So when I got to college, I was like shocked to experience that. Um, the first week of school, I'm getting ready to head to class. And um, there was this area on campus where like all the student organizations had tables and they recruit for you to join their sorority or their fraternity or their club. They want to throw free stuff at you. And I saw the Jewish organization on campus, the Hillel table, uh, which for any college students, Hillel is uh, not just for Jews. If you go there, it's a really great place to find internships, get free food, meet awesome people, hang out somewhere uh, in between your classes. So I saw the Hillel table, Ebby, and I saw this super hot guy talking to the staff at the Hillel table. So you know what I did, right? Oh, yeah. faster and when I got up to the table all of a sudden this really cute guy was saying all these like really crazy things about Israel and it was the first time in my life I'd ever like heard in person you know in front of me like somebody saying these things and when I started talking to him the first thing he said to me was Israeli soldiers drink blood and I was shocked. I looked at him and I was like, dude, I volunteered in the Israeli army. I'm like, does this look like somebody who would drink blood? And from there, it just snowballed into like not just getting hateful comments in person, but having my picture posted all over the internet with horrible things written about me. I came home one Friday night. They put a fake eviction notice on my dorm. And what was really crazy, Abby, was. My grandparents were Holocaust survivors, and these bullies were allowed to use university money to bring a Holocaust denier to speak on my campus, even though my college had a Holocaust studies program. And it's so important I share this story because when I went to the Dean of Affairs to explain as the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors why you cannot allow a denier to come to our campus and spread hate. He said, if the KKK were to want to come, he'd have to let them. And because of freedom of speech, he had to allow the speaker to come. And for me, I didn't know. Wait, 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 wait. hold on. Is, is this guy still the Dean as we speak right now? Or is he fired? No. So he was eventually let go with a lot of other um, staff at my university who were like really negligent throughout the process. Um, it took a long time of me fighting and mobilizing leaders on campus and in the community for there to be like serious changes made, including the university president, like the adult of the university. Um, but it just goes to show that you know, if you're sticking up for something that's so important to you and it's your values, 
sometimes not everybody is gonna gonna recognize it at first, but by being consistent and coming from a place of love and understanding um, will help get your message so far. Because one of the biggest things I like to tell people is that to understand each other doesn't mean that we have to agree. In order to understand each other, it means I really listen to your story and I ask questions to figure out why you have your beliefs. And it's super important too that I share now as an adult, you know, when people say something that's hateful or that upsets you, your first step shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to label that person a racist or I'm going to label that person anti-Semite because your first step should always be to have a conversation with the person because most people don't want to be bullies. Most people don't want to be hateful. And you never know what people read online, what maybe they heard at home or like what they've heard from a friend. Um, So it's super, super, super important to engage, you know, in conversation. And I realized with this whole incident with the Dean at 21 that in America, free speech also includes hate speech. So anyone in this country can say whatever they want, as long as they're not physically hurting someone. And whereas that used to make me really angry, now I recognize like what a beautiful opportunity we have to teach because when we see these catalyst these these challenges, they should ultimately inspire you to cr- to be a catalyst for change, you know? If we just get upset and and label people and 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 just quit, then we we miss the opportunity to to inspire and to learn from others. Oh yeah, I like I I resonate a lot with you from that story, uh, just from uh, the guy saying uh, Israeli soldiers drink blood. You know, as you know, I'm originally from Tanzania, East Africa. So I've had people ask me questions like, oh, so when you do you go outside in your house and just see a lion? And I'm like, sometimes you know, I make fun of it and I laugh about it and joke about it. Like, yeah, you know, I ride an elephant to the market. <laughs> no, so, so things like that, but no, it resonates a lot. And some part of it, I think it's just people don't know because this is the concept I have about social media and social networks and internet in general. You will never find someone who is really, really like into a, a conversation or who really knows the details arguing on Twitter or Facebook. That will never happen. Yeah. So it's kind of your responsibility of if you want to find out about something or a certain culture, it's okay to ask a person who is involved in the culture directly rather than assume like, hey, you know, I heard you drink blood in your culture. Yeah. That's a little bit of, that's a little bit offensive. (laughs) Yeah. It's actually not a little bit. That's, that's very offensive. Yeah. Because thinking of a college life and a college setting where you walk in and you have all this confidence, you're like, wow, he's such a pretty guy. And I'm this, you know, just young 20 year old, 18, 19 year old pretty girl. We're going to get together and talk and you get on the table and he's like, oh, by the way, they drink blood in your culture. I was, I was literally shocked. He went from hot to not in like less than five seconds. Um, and it was like just that moment of like, okay, do I speak up or do I walk away? And I, I think for me, it wasn't like my pride and like, I'm so proud to be Jewish. And it wasn't like a knowledge thing. Cause to be totally real, Abby, at this point, I couldn't tell you where Israel was on a map. I couldn't tell you Israel's history with its neighbors. But, um, in that moment I realized like, 
I felt like he was talking about my best friend. Cause you have to imagine here I am. I spent a year abroad, like the most magical year of my entire life. I made all of these amazing friends who I still have today, 10 years later. Um, so when he was like saying these things about, you know, my home where I live, it was personal. It wasn't like, I know that you're wrong because of facts or like, I'm so proud to be Jewish. It was like, uh-uh, like you ain't, you ain't going to talk about my friend like that. And it was that moment that inspired me to recognize, like, if I don't know my own history and I can't share my history with people, then like, how can I, you know, how can I expect people like not to say things that are, you know, that are misinformed. So I really have that guy to thank for inspiring me to then get involved with Israel education because that gave me the opportunity to like go to all these conferences and have my travel paid for. And all these organizations gave me speakers and money to run programs on my campus where I got the opportunity to go to other student groups with different backgrounds and cultures and talk about, you know, why Israel is important to them and sort of, you know, what, what our cultures have in common. Um, and the same thing with the eviction notice, if they didn't put hate on my door, then it wouldn't have challenged me to, to go out and, and speak up as much as I did. So sometimes in life, it's our biggest challenges that are going to inspire our biggest blessings and opportunities because they make us hungry. Um, and they sometimes make us wake up to issues that like, we didn't even know were a thing. Diamonds are built under pressure. So when pressure hits, that's when the best diamonds come out and your character is really going to be built uh, on adversity, actually. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's, it's, it's not just the good things that happen to you in life, but also the bad things that help define who you are. And it's how we respond to that pressure that's going to say, you know, is this person a leader or, you know, does this person just go with the crowd? And for those listening, you know, if you're ever in a restaurant and you get the wrong thing or you don't like your food, this is the perfect place to practice speaking up so that if you ever are in a situation like me where it happens to you or you see somebody else experiencing hate, then uh, you've got some practice and what it's like to, to speak up. And this is a very, very interesting topic for me because I actually have this conversation with uh, people in my community and I've asked a few people and I don't know why when we immigrate to a different country, like maybe, you know, especially these countries with our Western cultures, mm -hmm. it's like we have kids here and families here, but we tend to detach our kids from our culture and where we're from to the point that they're also ignorant and they cannot defend where they're from. Yeah. Because as you said, you were kind of born, I mean, you moved here at a young age and, you know, you started going through your life and you didn't really have the knowledge about your country, your roots. So you couldn't really stand up for yourself because they would ask you important and key questions that you couldn't answer. Exactly. Exactly. And when you learn to tell your story, whether it's your heritage, your culture, maybe a mental illness that you face, when you can learn your story and learn how to share it with other people not only is it going to motivate you forward, but it's going to create so many opportunities and experiences for you um, that are going to be so meaningful because they came from a place of love and intention.
speaking of how you felt after uh, the cyberbullying incident, mm-hmm. so can, can you take us into that? What were you? What was happening to you? Like in terms where you like really was your self confidence really beaten up, or did you like were you hiding, or were you feeling like you couldn't really be in public and socialize anymore? Like how you felt you're gonna be in college? Yeah, did that happened to you. Um, no, but that's a really that's a that's a really good question. Um, immediately I looked at every single dorm on my floor. I looked at their doors and you know how many people had the notice? How many? Mine. Just one. So at first I felt really targeted, right? Cause it's Friday night, which is like for Jewish people, we have like a special uh, dinner we call Shabbat dinner. So I just finished my dinner and, um, you know, to see that only on my door, um, you know, if you put yourself in my, my awesome shoes I have on right now, I'm rocking some J's, you know, running around, the more doors I saw that didn't have the notice, the more targeted I felt. And on Monday, when I went up to the president of the group and I said, I don't appreciate the hate that you taped on my door Friday night, I would, I would like an apology. She laughed in my face. She told me it was a creative and fun thing to do and that I had no case and that nobody would ever listen to me. And, you know, her saying that, honestly, just like, since we're like talking about sports, you know, some athletes, when people talk smack, that actually like makes the athlete, you know, play even better. Um, Oh, for anyone who needs reference to that, please watch the Michael Jordan documentary. You, 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 you will not talk trash to that man. He will score sixty on you. <laughs> I, I, I love LeBron James, and I have my other reasons of loving LeBron James apart from his play on the court. But Michael Jordan was a different animal. He was different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, with Michael, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where they were talking about how. There's so many Michael Jordans in the world that he had to drop the B from his name. Like he just had to be like Michael Jordan. So, you know, just because you, you may have the name, you know, as like somebody else, like don't, don't ever think that, you know, you can't be special or that you can't be different. Um, so when that girl made that comment to me, it basically was like, okay, she don't know I'm from Tennessee. It's on like Donkey Kong. And from there, <laughs> I, I went outside of my campus community because at this point, they kept doing things and their behavior was getting like more intimidating and aggressive. And the university was telling me like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like we're, we're punishing them, but like, don't worry. Like, you know, the punishments are made private. But clearly the punishments weren't working if, you know, they were still coming out with like even more hateful tactics. So that's when I told myself like, okay, I'm going to go find some people who will listen to me. And even though I wasn't from Boca, I went to every church. I went to every synagogue that I could because I thought maybe if people knew what was going on, um, then we could like actually get together and, and make a difference because, you know, with the Holocaust, one of the first steps that Jews were told to do was to put on a yellow star. And I don't know if you know this, but when it came to civil rights in America, uh, the Jewish community was very, very, very supportive and instrumental in working with blacks to get civil rights. Because if you think about it, putting colored on a bathroom or on a water fountain, 
how is that different than asking somebody to put on a yellow star, right? So Yeah, there's no difference at all. Right. So for me, when I got singled out and this was taped to my door, it it meant hate on my door. It wasn't just like, you know, a piece of paper that these students made as a joke, which the students later shared that they made 300 notices and that they randomly put them on students' doors. Um, but when I, when I spoke to the president of the group, like it, it was very clear that there was no coincidence that my door was, was included in that activity. You share a very important point about you going out to seek help. And this is so important. If any of you or anybody out there who's listening to this, you are maybe going through cyberbullying or any other type of situation. It's okay to go out and seek help. Don't take it upon yourself to solve every problem. Yeah. And because... Mm-hmm. I'm sure like 10 people can make a difference more than one person. You're, it was you versus everybody in your dorm. Much, pretty much. And, and it was hard too, because a lot of the other like Jewish kids were like, whatever, who cares? Like, we don't need to deal with this, you know? Um, but then it was, it was so crazy through a series of events. The president of that club ended up being the editor of a law journal that another friend of mine went to law school and um, the only reason we met was because she she like wrote this paper about anti-Semitism and she was only inspired to write the paper because this girl was continuing to to like bully other students into into her into her law school. So it's, you know, nobody has to believe what you have to believe, um, you know, to understand each other doesn't mean that we agree but there's a difference between telling people that you must believe this versus like, this is my belief, you know, what's, what's your belief. Yeah, we can definitely uh, agree to disagree on that because I have conversations with different people sometimes and we necessarily don't have to agree on what maybe my beliefs are. And this, uh, in this sector, I'll say it's big, uh, for my culture, it's big on the religion side. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you say like, Oh, maybe I'm not a Christian or a Muslim, I'm just spiritual. Everybody goes like bonkers oh my goodness, you're going to go to hell. But it's like, have you actually listened to the person? What's the reason behind them not being in a specific side, either Christian or Muslim, and uh, build on your own opinion and facts and have a conversation? And you can agree to disagree. It's okay to agree to disagree at the same point. Yeah. And just knowing too that, you know, just because someone says they're Muslim or someone says they're Christian, or even, hey, if somebody says they're Jewish, we we all believe differently. Like, I like tell people that Judaism is like one big clothing store and everybody walks out with their own outfit. So, you know, just because somebody identifies as such, you you can never assume, you know, what somebody believes or or how they pray unless you're you're willing to actually have a conversation with them. Oh yeah, and there's a there's actually a, this big misconception about uh, your community, your community that Jews all Jews are rich. I don't know where this comes from. Yeah. Have you, have you ever run into that problem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's, it's definitely a stereotype that exists. Um, you know, certainly in every group of people, you have, uh, you know, people who are wealthy. Um, but I would say that the Jewish community and the black community are very similar and that community is very important. In other words, like we like to do business with each other. Um, you know, we, we like to, um, belong to organizations together, um, throughout like Jewish history, this idea of, of being a close knit community 
has always been super, super important. Um, and also, um, education has always been such an important value in Judaism. Um, and I'm not just talking about like for World War II in Europe, where, you know, you had lots of Jewish people who were scholars, but even for people who, who don't believe in the Bible, if you, if you read the stories, um, just this idea of having debate and studying and, and asking questions as something that has existed in my culture for, you know, over 3000 years. Um, and what's also really special is that within the Jewish community, we do a really good job at supporting each other. So, you know, if there's a child who wants to go to a Jewish private school or they want to go to a Jewish sleepaway camp, um, Jewish people are very charitable when it comes to supporting other opportunities uh, for other Jewish people. So I think that sense of, you know, togetherness and, and that emphasis on education, um, definitely contribute to a lot of success of the Jewish community. Um, but definitely we, uh, we are not, uh, we are not all rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and uh, that's a uh, personally, I, I love that concept and how you guys are so together. And that's a very, very big problem for my community. But that's a conversation for another day. But actually, I have a, you know, so you are a very creative person. And I've been reading and, you know, going through your website and stuff. And I've realized you came up with the idea when one grows, we all grow. Mm -hmm. What's the story behind that project? Yeah. So it's it's this idea that, you know, when we can help somebody else, ultimately the universe is going to come back and, and raise you up as well. Like you always, you always look better for like giving somebody, you know, an opportunity versus like you asking them, you know, to give you credit. Right. Have you ever been in a situation where you do something for someone and they're, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like tell everybody like I did this for you. And it's kind of, like, Oh yeah. That, that, that really upsets me. It's like, yeah, like some of a friend or something would like, you know, maybe send your DM about something or maybe a product and blah, blah. So take it, please, and take a picture with it. I'm like, dude, really? Yeah. So it's, you know, we should never give with the expectation to give back. But what I can tell you from my experience is when you do give, like you get back and you and you give from a place that's like authentic and love and, and genuine, um, then so many things, you know, come back to you. Um, and when you can help other people, um, that's also a way that like you can increase your confidence, right? Like if you're not feeling so great about yourself, um, you know, one easy way is, you, you know, when one grows, we all grow is like to compliment somebody. Um, or it's even, you know, for me during quarantine, um, I've been having calls with, with different people who run businesses and just giving them ideas of like things that they could do. Um, I find when I get off the call, I'm, I'm fired up, I'm charged up and like, I want to, you know, make some of my projects happen. So, you know, sometimes through helping other people, it can make us feel full. Um, and it can also inspire us to, uh, to do things differently. And I know in South Africa, there's like a saying, something along the lines of like, if you go alone, like you'll get there when you get there. But like, if we go as a team, like we'll get there much, much faster. Oh yeah. Th uh, that's very important. And 
I really resonate with uh, this project of uh, When One Grows, You Grow. It's just how I started this podcast. I was like, so I think there's a lot of people out there who have stories to share, mm-hmm. you know, with with different people around the world. And I was like, I'm going to create this platform. I'm not making a single dollar out of this, by the way. So I was like, I'll just create this platform. I'll put in the time, the editing, asking people. And sometimes, you know, it, it sucks because there are people I reach out to and they don't reply back. But then I just keep thinking in my head, hey, if I get that one person who can uh, help and give advice to that one person who I'm trying to get to out there in this world, then I'm grateful for that. So, and I don't want nothing back in return. I don't care about the likes. I don't care about the comments. Yes, I care about the comments in a sense that if someone texts me like, hey, you know, I listened to uh, Raina Rose and I'm not going to accept getting cyberbullied anymore, or I'm not going to let what someone thinks about my culture or background derail me from where I want to go, then I'm happy with that. But we got to find out, find a way to weed out the bad comments and the negativity on social media right now, especially for people who are going up. They're growing up in a sense, they're really attached to likes and comments yeah. that their life revolves around that. And now it's the point where, oh, I didn't get a hundred likes. Uh, this picture is not that cute. And they delete it and they're trying to impress us so bad. Yeah. It, listen, it, it, it happens to all of us. Um, so like I said earlier, like, you know, you can be your own influencer. You are, you are not defined by how many people, you know, like your pics. Um, and it's just important to note that when people are hateful on your posts, like if people take the time like to write something that's not nice or say something about you that's not nice and you hear about it, a lot of times hurt people hurt other people. Like, it took a long time for me to learn this because I'm the youngest and I'm the only girl and I'm a millennial. So I like to think that everything is about me. But usually when people make decisions, they're thinking for themselves first and like not taking you into account. Um, so that's definitely like a, a really, really big piece of wisdom that um, I want to I want to share with your audience is that sometimes we want to take things personally we want to be the victim, but sometimes if we take a step back and we're like, okay, I'm not going to be the victim, but I'm going to be accountable. So like, what, what are other things that could have happened, you know, or, or things that could have been said that made this person feel this way. And even if, even if those things aren't true, um, just recognizing that, you know, there's a difference between being a victim versus like just holding somebody accountable for their actions. Um, certainly nobody like ever wants to see, you know, something hateful in their posts, but even with my own videos, like, um, you know, I've been speaking now for over a decade and, um, I left the nonprofit world a year ago to start my own company And I was so busy meeting with people that I really wasn't putting in a lot of time into my social media and wasn't until quarantine, like right before quarantine that I started posting videos of me speaking every single day. And sometimes I get 200 hits on the videos. Sometimes I get 500 hits on the videos. Sometimes on like Facebook, I'll post the videos. I'll get like no likes, no comments. But then there'll be other days on Facebook where all of a sudden I get like 10 comments and 15 likes. So, you know, you just have to be consistent um, and and don't don't judge. Don't ever change who you are or what you do because of another person. Like even if you're in a relationship with somebody, if somebody tells you you must do this and you can't do that, um, definitely evaluate the relationship because 
when it comes to people, it should be about, you know, my presence inspires you to do this, or my presence inspires you to, to, you know, think differently about this. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And just, we all need validation, but there's two, there's two types of validation. What validation are you seeking is the most important part. Are you seeking the validation of likes and comments that are going to tell you all the time, oh, you look very beautiful, or you have, oh, you're wearing a very beautiful shirt, or are you looking for the positive validation of like, you inspired me, or you changed my life, or from that video, I gained, you know, a different type of knowledge. So it's just, you got to categorize what validation you're seeking. And that's going to be a very, very big, you know, tool to help you go through all the social media frenzies that are happening. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, if there's if there are posts that you see that make you feel bad about yourself, then stop following that person. Like nobody says you have to follow them. Um, and, and something else, Abby, something that I've noticed through the years is like, if I post a picture of me in a bikini, shit, I'm going to get 200 likes on that post. I post a picture of me with a guy who has ALS and wrote a book with his eyeballs. I'll get maybe like 80 likes, 90 likes. So I think also part of it too is as a society, we have like filtered, you know, what we like and what we don't like. Because like in the real world, you know, people want inspiration. They want to hear stories of people overcoming challenges. But on social media, it's like we choose to like go for the model over, you know, the role model. It's funny you say that <laughs> just because when I was actually starting my podcast, I have like close to 900 followers on my Instagram account. So, I, and I posted uh, the little logo and write it, Hey, please follow, subscribe. And I'm starting a podcast and I pretty much maybe got four comments. But when you look at all my other posts where I post, like I'm playing soccer or I'm with my girlfriend, I have like a hundred likes or over like 130, 140 in like 45 comments, 50 comments. So it's just, you got to find the balance in between. Yeah. Yeah. And just know who your tribe is. So like, um, you know, friendship isn't measured necessarily by how long you've known someone, but how you treat them. Right. So for example, um, like how we met through Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, or through, you know, Instagram, you know, people who listen to, to Gary are in the mindset of like personal growth and business. And, um, now that I'm an entrepreneur, I have a lot more time to go to seminars and like learn, new ideas that I can use in my speeches and use in my mentorship. And uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, my girlfriend and artist, uh, Margarita, um, who's amazing because I met her in a seminar in February. And I'm not even joking, Abby. Every time I make a post, she always comments, like a genuine comment, like I know she watched it. And it's just funny because there are friends of mine on Instagram who I've known my entire life and some of them have never commented on a video, right? And have never liked a video. But yet this this woman who I met, you know, less than 2 months ago, um she's she's really a part of my tribe because like she's always there to to show the support. So, doesn't mean that I'm going to break up with my friends because like they don't show me support, but just recognizing that what you were saying earlier about like needing validation, um, you know, especially as a woman, sometimes we seek validation from men. And if that man doesn't make you feel good about yourself, then he's definitely not going to give you any validation for you or your projects, right? 
Yeah, that's true. But if you can have like a set of friends who like, you know, will give you honest feedback and you know are going to be the ones to to comment on your posts, then um, it's okay. It's okay to have friends, you know, who, who act differently, but just recognizing, you know, when push comes to shove, you know, who's really there to, to support you. And that's why it was so important for me to, to shout out my girl, Margarita, because um, I'm so I'm so grateful for our friendship. And I'm, and I'm so grateful that she's always there to remind me to keep going, keep posting. And like you said, Abby, if, if just one person catches the video that day, and they're inspired by it, then you, you freaking change the world like you you have made a difference. Yeah, you're you're doing you've changed the world and you're changing someone's life, which is way better than binge watching Netflix on my perspective. Yeah. So definitely that's how I look at it. But <laughs> no, that's that's just how I look at it. But so you have another project also called Born to Lead and Mess Up. Yeah. So thank you so much for asking me about that. Um it's a seminar that I do twice a week on this uh website called uh virtual remote learning. And it was a project set up by some professors at Columbia University, and it's free for all high school students. So if you're looking for like tutoring and algebra, or you're wanting to take um, some like extra classes as a way to like fill up some of your time, um, I applied to uh, to teach a class on the site. And so it's a two part seminar, Born to Lead a Mess Up, where on Mondays. Um, I really, really go in depth with my leadership story. Um, I talk about how failure is a building block for success because even though I've had a lot of successes in my life, um, I've definitely made a lot of mistakes and I've definitely had a lot of failures, a lot of lost elections, a lot of breakups. But like I said earlier, how you respond to those things really define you know who you are. So my goal really with the first class is that I want people to learn their story and then be empowered to share it in order to motivate themselves. So the first class is just all about like leadership journey. And then uh, there's a homework assignment that um, I think is pretty fun where you get to interview your parents and your grandparents and your friends. Um, And then in the part two on Fridays, um, that's the opportunity for the students to become the speakers to really share what uh, what they what they learned about themselves, give them the opportunity to tell their story, and then uh, we also dive into this idea of skills, gifts, and causes. And what that means in a nutshell is that every single person in this world has things that they're really good at. Things that like something that they might be good at might be something that I suck at, right, or vice versa. And what I like to challenge people of all ages to do is how can you apply your skills and gifts to causes that you care about? Because when you do what you're good at, it makes you feel good. Like it makes you feel more confident, right? And when you can apply those skills to something bigger than yourself, like for me, my causes are Holocaust, Israel, feminism, youth leadership. But for other people, your cause might be, you know, the rights for African-Americans in the United States. It might be um, working with animals and the Humane Society. 
Um, it could be, you know, with the whole march of our lives and, and gun legislation, um, we all are attracted to different causes. And as you go through life, if you can apply your skills and gifts to causes. So like, for example, if you're really good at making videos and you love animals, then one way that you can connect the two would be reaching out to organizations who work with animals and being like, Hey, can I make some videos for you guys to include on your social media? Or, um, if you're a talented makeup artist, um, I know in communities all over the country, they have shelters for women who, um, you know, come from abusive homes. So to be able to go into one of those homes one afternoon and, and do makeovers for these women who can't afford it, you know, that's a way that you're using what you're good at to do good. And when you can do those two things, you make the world a better place and you make yourself feel more confident and good about your place in it. Reina, where were you when I was growing up? <laughs> I'm right I, I would, here, Abby. I'm right here. I, I would love to know where were you in my high school years when I was acting up and I didn't really kind of find a way to know more about myself. And for anybody who's uh, maybe a high schooler, even if you're not a high schooler, this is a very good project to get behind on. And if you are maybe a parent or something, this is a very uh, good project to get your kid hooked up on because this makes a big difference. And I'm very proud of you, Reina, and the things that you're doing for our community and society today. If nobody will tell you, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm grateful and I'm proud of you. Oh, Abby, I love you. You're the greatest. So I have two last questions for you. Yeah, of course. One being... What are you most grateful for? Wow. Um, I'm most grateful for my parents and the way that my parents raised me. Um, I grew up in a house that was so rich in love and values where my parents taught me to be kind to everyone. My parents taught me how to talk to anyone. And, you know, I used to always kind of define myself by what I did. Like I'm a speaker. I speak to all these people. But when I went through my entrepreneurship journey and I wasn't speaking as much because I was starting a new business, when you define yourself by what you do or who you're with, right? Because sometimes if you're dating someone, we like to define ourselves by our partner. When you lose those things, you're going to lose yourself, right? Because it's like you don't, you don't have that anymore. Right. Like, for example, with like soccer, you know, if you're a professional soccer player and that's how you define yourself and then you don't play in the big leagues anymore, all of a sudden you're like, I don't know who I don't know who I am. So in the last couple of months, what I realized authentically who I am is loving and kind and I'm a connector. And these are all traits that like people people really want to learn. And no matter what I do and no matter who I'm with those traits are always going to go with me into every single situation. Um, so there are just so many times where I call my mom and my, well, I lost my dad, unfortunately, two years ago out of nowhere. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. My only regret with my dad is that I always thought he was amazing, but it wasn't until he was gone that I really understood the magnitude of what an impact he had on me. Um, and we were very close, but for those who are listening, who still have their parents, my, my, my biggest regret is that while my dad was alive, I didn't make him feel like he was like amazing or like he was a celebrity. Like I wasn't mean obviously, but 
I definitely could have done more um, and said more to like really let him know just how amazing and how much of a superhero he was to me. Um, and when I, you know, when I meet other people who come from families with different situations, um, you know, you just realize that money, money isn't everything. It comes, it goes. Um, but like family is, is, is the most, 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 most important thing. Um, and I'm just, I wouldn't be who I am today had my mom and dad not raised me. Hey, I just, that touched me so much. And I just want to shout out to my mom. I love you so much. And my sister, I love you too so much because they're my small little family I have. And I just want them to know they mean a lot to me. Uh, but yeah, the final question being, in a sense, when you're in a situation where the world you feel like is just hitting you, how do you get up and hit back? How do you fight it? How do you get up and keep going when you feel like everything's going wrong from your own perspective? Yeah. Um, I love music, like love it. Um, where I live in Delray Beach, I'm like notorious for like jumping out of my car um, at red lights or like when the bridge goes up for boats to go through. I like to jump out of my car and dance. Um, I, I can see that about you. That's yeah, definitely what I do. Yeah. Or when I drive around downtown, sometimes I like to roll down the windows and I'll turn up like old songs and like sing them at people out the window. For me, whenever I'm hurting, um, I really just try harder to help others, um, whether that's in their business, whether it's like making them smile. It doesn't make the darkness go away, but it fills that emptiness with light. So um, the more that you know, you can you can serve other people. It definitely, definitely helps. But most important, you can't serve on an empty cup. So if you're not doing things that are going to make you feel good about yourself, um, you know, for some people that's work, for some people that's working out, um, if you're not doing things that make you happy and bring you joy, having conversations with people who you love, and you're just constantly giving and giving and giving to others, um, then eventually you, you get into this rut where you're, you're being so giving to others that you're actually taking away from yourself. And that was something I had to learn like these last two months was I was like, I mean, I'm so kind. I always help people, but I realized that there's a balance between, you know, you have to help yourself and you have to design things that are going to bring you fulfillment. And as long as you have those things like going for you, um, then you can, you know, you can continue giving to others. But if you're giving to others on an empty cup, then you start to resent helping other people. Um, and the other thing too is sometimes we don't realize it, but some of the behaviors we engage in, we're actually putting holes in our cup. So like the example that I said earlier about, you know, for women, for example, who hang out with men who don't make them feel good about themselves, the time that you're spending with them in your brain, you might think that you're, you know, being fulfilled, but in all actuality, if they don't make you feel good about yourself, then they're they're not filling your cup. They're they're putting holes in it. So anything that you do put in there, it's it's ultimately going to come out. You gotta you gotta. For me, it's just I run. 
that's I'm just wow. I'm just gonna round it off uh, as how I round it off with that analogy you just gave us. For me, it's just you gotta find a way to cut people off who come with to go plates. If you have a lot of people who you make dinner in your house for your family, and you have nine other people coming with to go plates, then your family is not gonna be fed. Yeah, you know? yeah. You gotta you gotta find a way to cut people off with to go plate. It's okay for when you wake up in the morning for the first maybe two, three, four hours to be selfish. Just work on yourself. If it's working out, if it's reading, if it's anything that's about you, take the time to do that so that you can grow as a person and you can you know, just become a better self. Because if you are not better and you have a lot of people to go plates, when they can't come and take anything from you anymore, then they're gone. you will not have, they're gone. And you're going to feel empty inside like, what, what did I do wrong? And you're trying to impress them. So it'll give them a very wrong impression. So just cut people off with to-go plates. I love that. I'm definitely yeah. stealing that analogy. It's great. <laughs> okay. Thank you. But uh, thank you very much for coming on. So for people who want to listen and want to get in contact with you and in touch and join your programs and, you know, all these things, can you please share your social media platforms and anywhere they can reach you and contact you? Yes, sir. So uh, my website is therosegrows.com, T-H-E-R-O-S-E grows, G-R-O-W-S.com. You can find me on all social media channels, The Rose Grows. Um, and if you were particularly inspired by this episode or you have a, uh, a question for me, uh, my email is Raina, R-A-Y-N-A at the And thank you so, so much, Abby, for what you're doing and for this incredible opportunity. And I'm excited to be friends forever, dude. This just the beginning. I know. I love it. I love it. And I will always come to you about, you know, some questions and advice because I believe I can learn from anybody and anywhere. But before you go, we do this thing for every guest that come on. Do you speak any other language apart from English? Yeah, I speak Hebrew. Okay. Can you please say goodbye to our listeners in Hebrew? Like, hey, thank you for listening, you know, and whatever you feel like comfortable saying, I would love to hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I like to joke that Hebrew is like Hebrew English. Um, so in Hebrew, shalom means hello. It means goodbye. And it means peace. So as a Jew from Tennessee, I'd love to say shalom, y'all. Thanks for checking in. And we'll catch you on the next episode. For sure. I appreciate it, Reina. Thank you very much. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Fisherman's Mindset Podcast. Stay connected with us directly through our social media platforms on Instagram at Fisherman's Mindset, Facebook, Fisherman's Mindset, or visit our website, fisherman's-mindset.simplecast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to stay fully up to date on everything mindset. Until next time, peace.